Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first ever episode of the Two Hoser Sports Podcast. I am Josh, and I am here with my co-anchor, Alex. Alex, say hi to the podcast here. Hey. How's it going? Yeah, everything's good. So, um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. This is a uh, sports podcast. Like I said, we're hosted here by two Canadian hosers named Josh and Alex. And we're here to bring you guys the best sports uh, news out there and for weekly episodes. So make sure. Make sure you uh, follow us on all of our social media platforms. I'll link that all that stuff into our description. YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Apple, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, make sure you guys check that out. And, um, yeah, so our first episode here, we're just going to be talking about a little, a uh, few different topics. But I wanted to start with your thoughts on the Super Bowl here, Alex. What are you, uh, what are you thinking about these NFL playoffs here so far? I mean, it was pretty good, uh, good, good playoff. You know, uh, personally, if I had to pick um, teams to make it through, uh, the, the Rams and the Bengals are great picks. I mean, you've got Matthew Stafford, who's a, a veteran that's uh, played on some pretty awful Detroit Lions teams, and he's oh, finally yeah. getting his chance to go to the Super Bowl. And then you've got Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I mean, they shouldn't even be uh, here right now, and yet they've managed to uh, – make it all the way to the uh, Super Bowl. So be an interesting match. Yeah, I agree. Um, the Rams are, yeah, they're, they've been a powerhouse all year. And uh, like you said, acquiring Matthew Stafford there from Detroit for Jared Goff, I think was the right decision for Sean McVay in that front office to make. Uh, Sean McVay was looking for a quarterback to run that system. And Jared Goff, nothing against the guy. He got the Rams to a Super Bowl um, in 2018, or was it 2019 or 2018 against the Patriots? They ended up losing that um, to Tom Brady, obviously. But, I mean, again, yeah, nothing against Jared Goff. It's just McVay needed a quarterback, and Detroit was selling Stafford there. So they decided to take a big swing on that and acquire the likes of Matthew Stafford to bring that – team to the next level and yeah like you said the Bengals have been absolutely uh they've just been surprising everybody Joe Burrow has been having an amazing season uh second year quarterback obviously last year tearing his ACL and coming back to his second year here to um just be absolutely incredible and finally the Bengals have a quarterback that they can rely on other than guys like Andy Dalton and uh, they've relied on years before. So yeah, Burrow has been amazing and um, yeah, they beat the chiefs and they even beat the Titans, which I don't think a lot of people expected with Derrick Henry in that game as well, coming back from injury, but we all know Ryan Tannehill is a pretty bad quarterback. So I'm not really surprised that the Titans did lose that, but it'll be nice to see a uh, different team in this Super Bowl this year and especially a team without Tom Brady what are your thoughts on that retirement also Alex with Tom Brady leaving I mean he nearly pulled that comeback off uh off um in the game against uh the uh oh my god the, the Rams right yes yeah and uh it, it was pretty uh shocking to see that but I mean you can never count him out that's why it was uh so shocking to see him uh retire i mean it came almost out of nowhere he seemed like he was still uh in great shape I, he was still one of the best quarterbacks in the league and uh to call it quits i mean he, he's done all he could have done to prove uh how good of a quarterback he is i mean he is i mean it's almost not arguable that he's the best uh quarterback uh in to ever play the game at this point 
Yeah, no, I agree. That guy is, he's, he's something special. And like you said there, he almost pulled that comeback against the Rams who were having a, a pretty rocky off season. I mean, I mean, uh, postseason with um, them, uh, losing that almost to the Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and then being down against the 49ers and having to come back in that uh, NFC championship game to then get to the Super Bowl. It's been a pretty rocky ride for um, LA for that, for sure. So how do you think the Rams and the Bengals are going to be matched up here this Sunday at the Super Bowl? And what's your prediction for that game? I mean, it's definitely going to be a battle of the offense. They, both of those teams are middle of the pack in terms of defense. They're not uh, anything amazing. But one interesting statistic that needs to be watched is the fact that the Rams are third in defensive sacks. And as we all know, the Bengals have huge difficulties pr- protecting their quarterbacks. I mean, they're third last in the league in uh, making sure their quarterback's not getting stacked. So, it's going to be a battle of the offense and it's going to come down to whether the Bengals can protect Burrow enough so that he can get the passes off, make the plays he needs to make and that they can uh, get through and uh, get the points. I mean, it should be a close game, but uh, it, it really in the end, it all depends on the, uh, the Rams and if they can uh, dominate that uh Bengals O-line like they should be able to yes no I I agree and um if the Rams just play their game and uh continue to uh dominate offensively and on the defensive end too with Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller back there now it's they're they're just unstoppable I mean it's going to be interesting to see what happens for sure. And, um, but, uh, the bookkeepers in Vegas have the bets. I think the Rams are, uh, they're like plus four or something, uh, in the, with the, um, the betting there for over the Bengals. So it's going to be interesting. Bengals, I think if they can protect Joe Burrow, I think they're definitely going to have a shot because you can't, you can't count out Joe Burrow. That guy is, he's incredible. And when he's in the zone, he is just, He's got that ball, and if he finds Jamar Chase downfield, it's it's going to be an interesting game for uh, the Rams to try to stop that. Um, what's your uh, prediction for that Super Bowl there, Alex? Or did you want to just give a team, or are you thinking points? Or I mean, I'd have to go for the Rams. They have looked – they've been able to get the wins, but they have looked fairly shaky sometimes on, uh, on offense. I mean, they haven't been able to dominate uh, – like we've seen from some of the other quarterbacks it seems like Stafford sometimes I mean he gets it done but it seems uh very close we saw that obviously against the Buccaneers where the the offense dried up in the second half and I mean we see it in uh we saw it in the uh uh, 49ers game I mean they scored those uh quick touchdowns near the end but I mean it was not looking good uh until they managed to to get it done in uh, in the in the last few minutes and I mean we even saw uh, Stafford uh, throwing the Hail Marys, uh, maybe not the wisest plays. I mean, he got them through their receptions, but easy potential pickoffs that, uh, you know, might not work in a, in a Super Bowl when, you know, the two best teams are playing each other. Yes, no, I agree. It's um, I'm my heart is telling me Bengals, but my brain is telling me Rams. And like you said, it's it's all going to come down to who's uh who, if 
the Rams, or I mean, the Bengals defense can stop that Rams offense. And if the Bengals can protect Joe Burrow to even have a shot, because with Matthew Stafford and all of his weapons there on offense, I think the Rams are just more of a formidable force for those Bengals to overcome. Um, they definitely have a stronger defense than the Titans and um, the Chiefs that the Bengals ended up having to play, and even the Raiders in that wild card game that the Bengals uh, defeated. So it's going to be interesting to see. But yeah, if Matt Stafford, if he goes for those Hail Marys, the Bengals know, though, you got to be back there because there's potential pickoffs. And what we've seen from Detroit, Matt Stafford, uh, there's definitely um, some flaws in his game. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think the Rams, too, like I said, with my head. But my heart wants to see the Bengals win and have Joe Burrow in a Super Bowl. And I think it'd be nice for the league. Yeah, for sure to yeah. see him uh, pull that out. And uh, like we said, it's just kind of nice to not have Tom Brady in a Super Bowl, which is <laughs> going to be nice to see, I think, for the next few years. It gives uh, gives everyone a little bit of a break, for yeah, sure. Definitely a change. I mean, yeah. we see, uh, you saw the uh, the Chiefs kept making the, um, the, the Super Bowl. Uh, what is it? I think they made it to the past three three years now yeah and yeah close yeah there's been a lot of different teams winning the super bowl but yeah a lot of the same teams seem to get to uh get to the super bowl so it's nice that we see you know either uh stafford finally gets his uh super bowl or uh the uh Bengals have a cinderella run you know it's a great storyline regardless of uh which team wins in the end Yes, no, I, I agree for sure. And I think, honestly, this is a Super Bowl everyone can say. There's no real villains. Matthew Stafford, I love the guy. I've watching all of his interviews lately, and he's just he's just having a blast out there playing the game of football. And it's love, it's good to see that he's finally, you know, coming out of that shell when he was getting beat down in Detroit for being a great quarterback, but also having a shitty team and not having to uh, carry them anywhere. So, but it's, yeah, it's going to be good to see either either team win. But uh, yeah, so that'll be a good game. Definitely this Sunday. Everyone should be checking that out for sure. Um, so now on to more news here. Uh, Canada soccer. How are you uh, watching them? And how are you liking the uh, Olymp or the um, World Cup qualifiers with that? I mean, it's pretty impressive. The uh, rankings were just released today. Uh, Canada's now 33rd overall in the world. I mean, you see nations like Egypt, Russia, Australia. I mean, these aren't teams that uh, are contenders for the World Cup, but they're definitely teams that regularly contend to qualify for the World Cup. And for Canada to be in that ranking, I mean, it's more than deserved. Top of the group right now, six-game winning streak. They, they're the only CONCACAF team that uh, hasn't lost. They've beaten both the uh, Mexican team and the American team now. I mean, they are on fire, and it's just – it's, it's really great to see, and it's great to see for the uh, potential future of the game in Canada and growing the game. Yes, no, I I've for sure 100%. I haven't watched any of the games personally. I've either been working or I've been out, but I've been keeping up definitely for sure on social media, and it's awesome to see, like you said, growing the game here in Canada, making sure that these young kids see these players like Alfonso Davies out there absolutely dominating on a world stage against the likes of America and Mexico, who are two major powerhouses in the CONCAF um, conference for sure. And for Canada to be finally now 33rd in the world, um, we're definitely moving up and uh, people just see us. So, you know, they're just a hockey nation or they're just a snow nation. They're good at the Olympic uh, winter sports, but 
it's good that Canada's finally uh, coming out of our shell in another sport and uh, we can offer um, maybe hopefully soon our uh, Canadian Premier League there will keep growing and uh, the soccer game here will, uh, like you said, just keep continuing to grow and Canada will be a World Cup uh, contender every year, which would be nice to see for sure. I mean, it is great. They uh, they have a great mix of young and old players, you know, that are uh, that are leading the team. I mean, Atiba Hutchinson is there. They have uh, Borian, their, their keeper, who's who's done phenomenal, uh, phenomenally. And then, yeah, they have the young guys, uh, Alfonso Davies, uh, Buchanan, uh, Tijan Buchanan, Seal uh, Lauren, and uh, Sam Atacube. Uh, they're all stepped up when they needed to scored some uh highlight real goals and it's just fun watching it i mean especially when not that long ago it was uh canada was not considered to be a soccer nation and uh it was almost a source of embarrassment for um for uh canadians i mean regularly it was uh, embarrassing losses or just moves that shouldn't have been made and now to see a fun team i mean john hurtman's uh, already has cemented his uh legendary status in the in uh canadian coaching and i mean it's just amazing to see uh see this team that is now young and energetic and scoring these highlight real goals and just really going out there and having fun playing i mean it is really remarkable to see. Yes, no, I agree for hundred percent for sure. And like you said, it's, it's been an embarrassment. These, Oh God, for ever since I've grown up and um, Canada soccer was, yeah, just completely embarrassing out there. Everyone, if you were good enough in Canada here, you're definitely leaving this country to go play in Europe or even down in the States or in South America to try to even just get a chance at becoming better. Cause we just didn't have the resources here. But now hopefully um, with this World Cup qualifier run and that we're going to be hosting the World Cup in 2026, um, we start to get more funding for this Canadian soccer program and get kids on the field and getting them to learn those basics and uh, fundamentals that they can uh, continue at the next level. And like we said, hopefully grow more homegrown talent here for sure. And um, like you said, the, the men's team has been an embarrassment. Like the women's team has been really good. And um, so now it's it's finally good to see that the men's catching up to the women's and hopefully we can have uh, both our men's and women's teams be uh, World Cup um, contenders for the next few years, which will be good to see for uh, young children across this nation trying to grow up and become the next Alfonso Davies and stuff like that. It's definitely mm-hmm. awesome to see. You've, you've got to wonder if uh, that uh, the success, I mean, dating back to the 2012 Olympics, I believe was when the uh, women really kind of captured the nation's attention. And you've got to wonder, and I, I, I'd put uh, my money on it, that them, uh, the women's team being as successful as it was maybe sparked um, some more interest in soccer in Canada. And that's why it's so good to see, you know, the, the recent gold medal that they won in uh, 2022 or 2020 in Tokyo and the the fact that now with uh, if Canada can qualify for uh, Qatar, they will automatically, uh, due to hosting, be in in 2026. I mean, it's it's incredibly important. We saw that um, I forget when it was, but when the Americans 
qualified, I believe, in the 80s or the 90s, or when they hosted a, the World Cup, actually, they, that the game grew immensely there. And for Canada, um, hosting the 2015 World Cup, I believe it was, for the women, the women winning uh, an Olympic gold, uh, the men now uh, well on their way to qualifying for the World Cup and now hosting the World Cup, it's, it's, a, it's almost a perfect storm of events to, that will create. And I mean, even the, the creation of the Canadian Premier League, this is a perfect storm of events that it hopefully will create a passionate fan base and great development in soccer in Canada. Yes. Yeah, no, for sure. And like you said, it's everything with that. And like you said, the perfect storm is completely uh, starting to wipe across this nation and capture the hearts of uh, many Canadians from coast to coast. And I think, yeah, if that Canadian Premier League can really capitalize on this, um, more and more young Canadians are going to be getting into this game, which is a beautiful game. Um, it's played all over the world. It's the most popular sport in the world. And uh, no one can argue with that because and once you see soccer live, I've been to a few games. It's it's really uh, it's memorizing to see um, what those uh, women and men can do on that field. And uh, yeah, no, for sure. I'm it's going to be interesting to see. And hopefully, like we said, within the next few weeks here, Canada can continue to stay on top and shoot up those FIFA rankings and qualify for that World Cup. And uh, even if God, even if they just make it to the. Uh, quarterfinal or whatever if they just make it through their group it would be a lovely story for canadian soccer and that gives us until 2026 to really uh really kick it into another gear for our uh, world cup that's being hosted here in canada and i mean especially the fact that they're um beating mexico in the, the united states i mean when people uh tuned into this we thought Maybe maybe they'll be able to take third. They did pretty well. Hopefully they'll be able to take third. Uh, maybe, uh, but realistically, we're looking at maybe a fight for. And yet, when it opened up, I mean, there wasn't a lot of hope. Too, it was a lot of draws. I mean, there were teams that it was like, this is good that we tied them, but it was really only this uh, six-game win streak now that has really. Um, showed us that Canada can contend. And I mean, when you look at teams, the, the fact that they're beating the American team and the Mexican team, these aren't teams that, you know, get into the World Cup and then bow out right away. These are teams that can regularly get into the round of 16. And I mean, if it wasn't just a fluke, and by all means, it does not look like it was just a fluke, Canada should be able to get to the round of 16. I mean, you can't set the bar and the expectations too high, but I know a lot of Canadians must be looking at, you know, group stage and qualifying uh, for the round of 16. Now, I think the focus is almost shifted that you hear a lot of people talking about Canada wanting to get into pot three instead of pot four for the world cup draw, because that will guarantee easier opponents. Yes. Yeah, no, for sure. It's all, uh, all going to be aiming for that, um, those pots and uh, making sure that they can uh, get some opponents that they can definitely compete with. Um, as of right now, like you said, beating Mexico in the U S is huge steps within this game. And um, it's going to show everybody that yes, Canada can compete with these countries. And like you said, Mexico and the U S have shown before in the world cups that they can, uh, they can definitely hold their own against those European powerhouses that are, um, obviously everyone looks up to in this uh, soccer world. 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see moving forward what, uh, what Canada soccer is going to do and, uh, what's it's going to do for this nation for sure. Um, so next thing, uh, just wanted to touch on was the NHL all-star game this past weekend. Definitely a lot of highlight reel goals and, um, uh, stuff going on and like the breakaway challenges and the skills competitions. And, uh, it's a little bit of upset in that fastest skater competition there. As I saw Jordan Cairo uh, actually defeated Connor McDavid to win the fastest skater contest. Uh, what are your th- thoughts on uh, McDavid losing that contest? I mean, that's incredibly surprising. I, I, he has almost owned uh, that, that contest since uh, it really came around. I mean, I believe it was uh, Dylan Larkin won it uh, one year, and then um, McDavid's pretty much taken taken it every other year. Uh, and, and it really is surprising. I mean, a guy that we see constant highlight reel plays, you know, uh, speed trackers on him showing his goals and uh it it was a real shock you know to see him uh lose that competition yes yeah no for sure he's uh yeah like when you said he's got speed trackers on his goals and scoring highlight real goals every single night as soon as mcdavid has that puck and he has he sees open ice he is gone he just kicks it into another gear and I don't think the NHL has actually ever seen anything like that I mean we've seen some guys that are pretty fast out there and, uh, but a lot of them, like you said, like Dylan Larkin did win that year, but Dylan Larkin is a very fast player, but I'd say he's faster without the puck than he is with the puck. And the thing is McDavid, he just, when he even has the puck, he's just, he's fast without the puck, but when he has the puck, sometimes it even looks like he's faster when he's going around guys. And it's just, it's just completely mind boggling to see what he can do every single night. And, um, especially, every time he's on the TV and that when the NHL obviously doesn't black out the games for a lot of fans, uh, definitely a lot of fans do turn in to see what he's going to do that because definitely he's going to have a highlight real goal that game. Or if it's not a highlight real goal, he's going to set up a nice goal for one of his teammates for sure. Um, but yeah, it's that all-star game weekend, especially I was watching that uh, breakaway challenge there and Alex Petrangelo ended up winning that. In Vegas, I mean, am I shocked that the NHL went with that um, decision to uh, let win their win their contest? Not really. It was disappointing for sure. A lot of fans, I think, were disappointed that uh, Ducks forward Trevor Zegras didn't get that uh, win with that um, movie pulled off with the blindfold and everything. The breakaway challenge there and Zegras pulling off that move. Yeah, it's it's just uh, I mean, Zegers is great for the game right now. I mean, the highlight reel plays he does, and he has fun doing it. You know, he, he's a great personality in that way. Uh, you have guys that are great, but sometimes they uh, shrink away from the limelight, or you have guys that are great, but they they have egos um, that make them unlikable. And for him, I mean, it's uh, it, it's great for the, the the development of the game being fun. I mean. The NHL has had a lot of problems lagging behind some of the sports for entertainment value. I mean, it it, it had serious ratings issues in the All Star Game and the Skills Contest. I mean, up until uh, this game, uh, this All Star, the Skills Contest, the uh, ratings are dropping. I mean, this is the highest ratings since 2012. I mean, that's a, a decade over a decade ago, or well, exactly a decade now. Um, 
And it's just, uh, it's crucial that the NHL supports a lot of these fun moves. I mean, so many fans I know were disappointed when they chose to get rid of the uh, breakaway contest. In many ways, it doesn't necessarily maybe prove, you know, or get a team to score legitimate points, right? It's not a uh, like the fastest skater or the accuracy shooting, but it's still so enjoyable to see some of the funny moves that they uh, they could pull out of the hat and score. It's like the dunk contest in the NBA. It's not always just about skill. It's about enjoyability and making it fun to watch. And I believe this all-star skills competition managed to do that. Yes. Yeah, I know for sure. I mean, like that's, that's the whole point of the thing and, and for the players to just really connect on a personal level in a sense, it's to show these players are, yeah, they're making tons of money to play a game, but at the end of the day, they're just normal people and they like to be silly too. And um, it's, it's good to see, like you said, and the NHL definitely has been lacking behind in personality. And I think now, like you said, with Trevor Zegris, yeah, a lot of people might not like the guy, but he's he's definitely a personality for the game, and I think it's good. Um, even Jack Hughes is having a hell of a time out there. I've been seeing a lot of uh, videos of him at the All-Star game and how much fun he's been having. And like like you said, McDavid is a hell of a player, but the guy's personality is kind of like you're talking to a rock when, you, in, when his interviews, he just doesn't have – just doesn't have that that you know that edge factor like a lot of these other sports leagues have like a LeBron James or even like Shohei Otani Mike Trout even has more of a personality I think than Connor McDavid out there and it definitely um uh if the NHL wants to continue moving forward with all-star games and ratings they're definitely going to have to you know have more of these fun competitions and give these guys like Trevor Zegers, Jack Hughes and all these young kids a chance to finally break into the game of hockey and change the culture. Cause uh, we've definitely seen over the last um, few years that hockey's culture needs to definitely start to change, could start shifting away from the seriousness the whole time and a little bit get into that, you know, start selling the game to the younger crowd and um, give these people more interested in the game of hockey and especially down in areas like the Southern U S where, you know, kids like Austin Matthews grew up playing hockey in Arizona, but Arizona they're you know, they just struggle to have fans. And even at like games in California, you just don't see a lot of people getting interested. So, and especially Vegas wasn't even a hot spot for hockey until about five years ago when the Knights finally came into the league and they've managed to capture uh, an audience there and really hold on to it. And the city of Vegas loves their golden Knights. And um, yeah, it's honestly, it was a joy to watch this all-star game. And uh, just to see, like you said, the personalities come out and uh, yeah, I mean, the skills competition is always a good game to a uh, good thing to watch uh, the games. I did not actually watch. I ended up just watching the skills competition. Did you, did you end up watching any of the actual games? I actually ended up missing games too. Uh, I believe um, I uh, was busy with um, stuff, but it, uh, I did read that the uh, Metropolitan beat the Central Division. I mean, a bit of a shock because we're used to the Pacific Division winning all the time. But uh, it, it, uh, I personally really like the format that they've uh, been using since I believe it was 2016 or so. Yeah, I it's, think, yeah. It, it's it's really good that they uh, they do this format. I mean, the big you know five on five skate back and forth 
20 goals to 18 goals was good, but it was just, uh, you know, in an all-star game, you don't want to see necessarily a regular hockey game. It's supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to just be about who wins, you know, it's, it's the best players lining up and doing what they do best. And in a fun, quick paced game, it allows players that have the skills uh, that have say speed. I mean, like Trevor Zegras, um, or goalies that can make highlight real saves like Thatcher Demko, it, may, it lets them show their skills off and some of the stuff that, you know, they can't do in a game that uh, might make it fun, you know, stack the pad saves or, you know, the Michigan style goals. They might not be able to do that in a uh, real game because, you know, you're going to get benched if you screw it up. But in an all-star game, they can have that fun. And it, it, it's great for the game. Yeah, no, for sure. I agree 100%. It's uh, great to see that the game is finally starting to evolve and um, that they changed the format because I agree the five-on-five is getting a little boring. Watching those guys just go through the motions out there, the three-on-three definitely adds a little bit more uh, edge to it. And um, especially with we see um, three-on-three overtime now and the uh, regular season. It's just, it's just so much more open ice and guys can definitely start to pull off more insane, crazy moves. And uh, the game moves a little bit quicker, I think too. And um, yeah, it's just starting. It's good to see that these guys are just having fun out there and they can finally show off their skills. The only thing I do have an issue with though, with the all-star game is that every team has to send a player. And in my opinion, it kind of takes away from the best of the best because some teams, you know, they might not have a guy that's all-star worthy, but the NHL wants to, of course, this is a money-making business. They want all of their franchises to be there and represented and owners would be mad if one of their players didn't make it. But I think, you know, it's, I think it's time to start going back to, okay, these are the best, these are the best players. And if a team has multiple best players, that's what it is. In my opinion, I don't know if you uh, agree with having a, a person from every team there, but uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, in some ways, you know, it is awesome because there's certain teams that are, I mean, in the Montreal Canadiens right now, they necessarily deserve to have a player there. No, but for those fans of the Canadians, it's awesome to have the have a player that they could say, oh, I saw him in the All-Star game, you know. But, I mean, it should be a um, definitely changed up. I, I can agree with that. Uh, you don't want to see teams, you know, having six players or something there. But when it comes down to it, you know, if there's a team that has a player and they don't deserve that player, that player isn't really an all-star, you know, it's the best player on the team, but the team's brutal it's time to start thinking, you know, maybe we don't have that player. You try to get a player from every team. Uh, There could be caps on how many players make it from every team, but you do want to get best of the best because there have been times where players that have done amazing are limited because there's someone on a team that did better, you know? And uh, I I mean, even in the, um, the Pacific there, there's a lot of good players on the teams, but there's some teams that are pretty bad. I mean, uh, Seattle, a new team, got the, their best player there, but did he necessarily deserve to make it over someone like JT Miller, who's a point of game? And I believe Troy Terry, 
another phenomenal player made it only because it was last man in. I mean, these are guys that their skills, you want them in the game, their personality, their skills, you want them in that game to grow the game. Yes. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. And like, yeah, if they put a cap on it, honestly, for like teams to send players and uh, to have the best people out there for sure, it would be a little bit more interesting and it gives it also a little bit more incentive, I think, to these teams to, Hey, maybe, you know, it's time for our head offices to actually start making some right decisions here and try to bring in guys that can help push these teams forward instead of just yeah. tanking, especially like teams like glow and Arizona teams like that, that sent people, but they, you know, like you said, not necessarily should have sent someone, but due to money-making reasons, the, of course, the NHL is going to want to have their, franchises and fan bases represented which i do see in a sense too i i i agree with that but um yeah i don't know overall though um all-star game i think the all-star weekend was great like you said the ratings were up since 2012 for the first time which is good and that's without guys like alexander ovechkin out there who had actually covid um and could not make it so i think it's starting to good to see that we don't have to rely on guys like Crosby and Ovechkin, you know, Melk and all these old guys that are starting to fade out of the game, which is sad to see, but I think it's finally good to see these young kids break through and uh, make these all-star games and change the uh, game and write their history in the hockey books, which is finally good to see for sure. Yeah. Um, so the last thing that we wanted to touch on in this uh, podcast here today was uh, some MLB rule changes. Um, MLB commissioner Rob Manford came out today stating that um, expanded playoffs and um, the universal DH are in the talks within the players union in the league as right now they are in a lockout and we're hoping to get our sport back here soon to finally watch some baseball this spring, which will be nice. And um, so what are your thoughts on the uh, expanded playoffs in baseball? And then we'll touch on the universal DH year after. Yeah, it's, I mean, we were just talking about growing the game in the uh, NHL and the MLB has that problem too, of being an old sport. I mean, I, I believe up until the nineties, it was a, um, it, it was incredibly popular, you know, it was one of the major sports, you know, there's football, there's baseball, and I mean, obviously in Canada, there's hockey, but baseball was huge. Uh, it was America's uh, game, you know, and to have, uh, to have the rules, though, for playoffs set up where, I mean, before they added the, uh, the second wildcard team, uh, I mean, the game started out where it was the, the two teams from each, the one from one from the American League, one from the uh, National League made it. Then, of course, they moved it to uh, four divisions. Two teams make it, you know, the uh, ALCS and the NLCS, before finally adding uh, the three divisions and the one wildcard team. But uh, as we saw with the Toronto Blue Jays, I mean, what they had uh, was it 91 wins. And they were one of the best teams in baseball in terms of just scoring. And they couldn't qualify. I mean, it's ridiculous. And I, I'm sure demoralizing to a fan base to to watch your team be incredibly successful, and then because of bad uh, playoff rules, you, you have teams that um, uh, teams that maybe shouldn't have made it in. I mean, the Atlanta Braves won the World Series, but their record was uh, worse than um, half of the teams in the American League, and that was simply down 
for formatting and lack of teams in, and and you really do not want that it want that to happen because I know people criticize it for you don't want a team that's above or uh, under 500 making it, but if that happens, it happens. It's better to have more teams, more fan base, and more revenue in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I, I agree a hundred percent with that. Um, the format is it's god awful in my opinion with the three division leaders, and then now yeah, the two wild card teams that end up making it through. And like you said, you just you have teams like Atlanta, yeah, who had an abysmal record last season and basically came out of the like literally came out of the dirt with all their injuries to make it to that World Series and win. And I'm not knocking on the Braves fans base at all. You guys definitely deserve that World Series with what you pulled off in the playoffs. Kudos to you guys, and hopefully Freddie Freeman does resign. Um, but yeah, it's it, the game of baseball definitely needs to change. Talking about the NHL with their culture, that it's the MLB has a very, very old way of thinking, and uh, even worse than the NHL, in my opinion, with the just how older the fan base is. And I mean, yes, it's awesome to still see 90 year old and 80 year old baseball fans. And then they still love the game of baseball. It's great to see, but again, it's starting to, it's time to start to, you know, move past these old unwritten rules and let these kids, let the kids play. And that's the MLB's initiative right now. Just let these guys go out there and have fun, show their personalities and uh, definitely the playoffs need to expand for sure. Because, like you said, you just have teams like Toronto not making it, and um, uh, like, <laughs> like I don't know, like teams like in the AL Central. Usually, that's a very weak dis- uh, division with like the Tigers, Royals, um, now the Guardians, no longer the Indians. Um, I'm missing two more teams, and there's the Twins and uh, the Royals too, or the, the other. Uh... Yes, yes. White Sox. White Sox. Yes. The White Sox did end up getting better this year, but again, like they're just not on the steps of the teams like the Red Sox, even the Yankees, the Blue Jays, even the Astros still, even though a lot of people hate them, the Astros are still a powerhouse, unfortunately. Um, But yeah, those teams just shouldn't even get a spot in my opinion, but I guess that's what the way they're doing. But with these expanded playoffs that are being proposed, maybe we can start seeing a lot of these teams come in and, show the MLB that, Hey, you know, these division leaders who are in weak divisions that end up just being the best out of that terrible division, uh, they can't compete with us. And um, I think that's starting to show and definitely uh, these rule changes will be good for sure. Um, So the universal DH, uh, what are your thoughts on that? And for the game? I mean, that's going to be an interesting, um, Interesting thing. I mean, it, it's better for the game because, well, having an uh, well, having um, a, a pitcher hit is great. It, in many ways, uh, well, it's great for strategy. In many ways, it takes away from what could be a dominant game. I mean, if you're in a tight game, maybe you're down by a run, but your pitcher's still doing good, you might pull him out because you need a, a better uh, hitter in there and. To have the DH, I mean, pitchers pitch and the hitters can hit. And it's better for, in many ways, the safety of a pitcher. I mean, if a pitcher's doing great and a team wants to, you know, maybe throw him off his game, they might throw at him. It just leads to risk and the advantages are not not that great. I mean, 
we have these uh, we have hitters that you know are sitting on the bench that could do really well, get a nice contract. I mean, that's better for them, and it, it won't affect the pitchers that greatly. I mean, it, half the time we see pitchers walk up there to take their bat, uh, their bat, and it, it just seems like you know it's oh easy strikeout. It's oh it's it's an outdated rule, and it, it does need to change. I mean, in the American League, it's successful. You have the guy that can hit 30 home runs but he's too slow or too big to play any other position. You have him uh, DH and it's led to a lot of success and a lot of teams that have some really good hitters because of that DH. Yes. No, I agree hundred um, percent. I think the DH is the right way to move uh, with the game moving forward. I, uh, I especially love that. Um, like, yeah, it's like some of the DHs are like the best guys out there and the best characters, as we've just seen recently. Uh, David Ortiz got voted into the Hall of Fame and uh, Big Poppy was just an absolute character. And even though he couldn't play uh, a defensive position, uh, his bat was just too good not to have in that lineup. And I think the um, yeah, again, the pitchers are meant out to be out there to pitch. These guys, even pitchers have said is we don't want to hit. It's, it's, it's basically, it's useless to, for us to get up there and even just try to hit again. You sometimes get a pitcher home run, which is nice to see for the game. Um, but like for that one or two home runs a year by a pitcher, it's not really worth to keep them on the mound. Or, I mean, at the batting cage uh, to try to hit um, because yeah, it's just, it's not worth it to have them out there trying to get maybe hurt. And uh, also to, um, it takes away from the strategy, like you said, of the old game of baseball. But um, if the MLB does officially want to change this culture that they have, they got to continue to start moving forward. And um, yeah, having the pitchers out there, in my opinion, is just stupid to have them hit. It's um, in, you see some pitchers out there and they're at the batting uh, area and you know the other opposing pitchers just throwing strikes right down the middle and the pitcher doesn't even try to hit the ball he just sits there and just lets it happen and gets a quick out so he doesn't have to worry about going up again and yeah. uh yeah honestly i think uh, i think it'll be the right thing to move for the game of baseball for sure um other than that are there any more ending uh final topics that you wanted to discuss in this first podcast or no i think uh we've touched on a um good amount of topics and uh i think it's a good uh good blend of uh some of the uh sports i mean a quick uh quick note uh if you want to check out the nba is uh the raptors you know uh they're doing um pretty well right now especially for a young core i mean i don't believe they were even looking at uh competing and yet uh they're in the they're in the thick of it. I believe they're uh, sixth in the uh, Eastern Conference, and I mean they're looking at uh, making the playoffs, and it's it, it's fairly impressive that the some of their young guys, uh, Scotty Barnes, um, uh, I believe Gary uh, Trent Jr., um, and and some of those guys are uh, really stepping up, and you've got the veterans like. Uh, uh, Fred Van Vliet and um, believe even Siakam are leading the leading this team and doing a good job. Yes, yeah, I know for sure the Raptors have definitely been uh, shooting their way back up the standings, and uh, a lot of people have been counting them out recently too. And I know uh, trading away Kyle Lowry last year, everyone was like, "Okay, this is a little bit. This is probably the end of this Raptors team," but. 
they continue to keep pushing onward and these young guys are stepping in and um, it's good to see them that they're uh, continuing to grow the game of basketball in Canada, but also in that Toronto area because Toronto now is becoming also a basketball city as it is a hockey city too. Um, the Raptors are really starting to impress a lot of people. And uh, I know that championship in 2019, a lot of people say uh, Kawhi Leonard won them that championship. But uh, I think now with these young kids that there is a championship there, uh, these young kids from the States, like especially like Scotty Barnes, he was enthralled and just excited to come to Toronto and build his future there, which a lot of you just don't see a lot of guys from the States wanting to come up North here in Canada to play. Um, it's colder for sure for a lot of those kids um, are getting paid. And I'm pretty sure they, I'm pretty sure they still get paid in American dollars, but they're taking definitely a tax hit for playing in another country for sure. And, um, but like in said, you have to cross the border every single time you play, uh, play a game in the, in the U S so, and it's definitely a lot of travel for them for sure. But uh, yeah, it's awesome to see that the Raptors are continuing to be competitive and um, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, if they do end up moving Pascal Siakam, I've uh, seen some rumors that they wanted to trade him, but uh, I think if he continues just to figure out his game, I think he can still be a, a big force for that Raptors team for sure for future to come. Yeah, it's, it's, he definitely does not earn the contract he's been getting, uh, I mean, they gave him a contract to, that he was going to be their Kawhi Leonard or, I mean, their DeMar DeRozan. But he, he's not stepped up to that level, But which makes you in many ways want to trade him. But he's definitely been playing uh, a good a good uh, starting role. He's a leader on the team. It's just, you know, they, in this case, they jumped the gun with the signing and the contract makes him look bad when – it's not him. I mean, he takes the money. It's the, the management that overpaid him. And, you know, as long as he continues to do his job, uh, it's all he can do. Yes, no, exactly. And uh, yeah, he can only do what he does. And uh, if his game does end up being limited to what he does now, the Raptors can definitely pursue a trade route. But for right now, I think if he continues just to keep doing what he does, uh, the Toronto management there and uh, Nick Nurse, they can figure out, hey, maybe we can pick up another young guy that can uh, step in and maybe we can just keep Pascal for like a power forward position that just posts up when he needs to and uh, just does his roles that he um, that he's going to be given. But um, yeah, no, for sure. This was a great first podcast. And um, I would just like to... Uh, say thank you guys for uh um i'm starting we're starting to build a following here on instagram and definitely i'll be posting more on twitter more of our uh podcast highlights and like i said you can check us out on all the social medias and i'll link those into the description but um other than that it's been josh and alex here from two hoser sports and uh i'll uh i'll sign off here and if alex has any uh last comments we'll uh let him uh say goodbye here yeah no, not uh, not really. It's uh, yeah, it's been a great first podcast, and uh, hopefully we get uh, many more uh, like this as we uh, continue to build a following. Yes, no, for sure. It's going to be interesting to see and uh, fun moving forward. All right, guys. Uh, like I said, this has been Josh and Alex, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. All right, bye bye.